I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Uncover Your Magic. Today's episode is like interviewing a best friend. I know it sounds funny. I've never met her, but I just, there's something about her that I connect with. And I wanted so much to share her with you because she's changed a lot of the way I think, a lot of the way I see the world, a lot of the way I see myself in this body. And she wrote a book called The Divine Design. Her name's Lori Ladd. And um, I've been, gosh, when she said yes, and I bought the book, I was on this path of just, I mean, I... I still, I'll be, you'll see what I mean when you meet her. But it was interesting because as soon as I started reading the book, it was so over my head and it was channeled to her. So it's not even, she didn't even know this information. It was channeled. But, you know, then when you read it and then you go to your YouTube and she has some videos on explaining the book. (laughs) So that helped me. So if, if you do get the book, no, or if you want to go to the, her YouTube channel, she has videos on explaining the book because it's absolutely mind blowing and a book probably that will be, it'll change everything in your mind. <laughs> it's probably one of the, I would say probably the best book of my, that I've read that's really changed my life. Let me read you a little bit about Lori, but before I bring her on, her name is Lori Ladd. She is an author and spiritual thought leader specializing in the evolution of human consciousness. Her teachings and guidance have helped millions of people navigate the current planetary shifts, embody sovereignty, and remember the divine design held within the human experience. Inquisitive and intuitive Lori was raised by a mother passionate about spirituality from an early age. She was exposed to meditation, yoga, and the teachings of spiritual masters. She lives up in Northern California, and she has the most amazing life story, and she will be sharing it in this interview. But uh, wishing you all a wonderful new year coming up. And I just, I get so excited for, uh, you know, every day, but you know, when there's a new year and we can start to like get excited about what's coming. And especially now after reading Lori's book, <laughs> knowing where we're going and this earth experiment that she talks about that we're going through and that this evolution that we're experiencing right now on this planet is so exciting. 
So connect with me, share with me when you listen to this and it resonates with you. I would love, I love more than anything. When you reach out to me, when, when you do, it means so much to me. It just lightens, lights me up. And when I find people like Lori that will make an impact in your life and that I know that you will learn so much from, and when you do, I just get so excited. So enjoy Lori Ladd. I know you will. And without further ado, let's bring this beautiful woman on. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited that we finally made it. <laughs> oh, me too. I have had, you know, having this podcast has just expanded me in ways I never even knew were possible. And there's certain people that expand me to a point where I thought, whoa, I didn't even think that was possible. And that is you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, you know, I've been you know, reading your book, listening to your YouTube, going down like the YouTube versions where you have the, where you talk about the book, because I think sometimes that book, it can be a little, I have to really, really focus and understand and I'm understanding it, but it is a book where you even say that in a few things where people have read it like four or five times to really get it. And I need to keep doing that. And I understand that. So even at this stage of my journey with you, you know, it's still fresh. <laughs> so don't expect me to be a an expert. <laughs> that book is intense. It is it is heavy in terms of the depths in which it and it's there's so much that is described in so little time. It's like there's only one paragraph about this. Like right. really? Like you could do so much more with just that one subject, but trying to squeeze everything in. Yeah. It's a, it's heavy. (laughs) I just, yeah. And I just, I can see it, you know, it's just such a, at a beginning stage of where we're at in this, in our journey right now. And it's like the beginning and it, it gives me this, I think what it's given me is this, you know, you, you talk about remembering and how our soul remembers and why I'm even drawn to you and why, you know, why am I like, I'm, like stuck to you. Like there's something about you that I must remember in my soul that is this, I have a connection. Mm -hmm. And so that part has really opened a lot for me. So it's fun, but okay. So before we go down that, I want people to understand I have a 13 year old and a 16 year old girl. I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 53. So I started my journey a little bit later of having kids, but I know that when you were 13, And that just resonated with me because I was thinking, gosh, Presley's 13. Like if she had this, you know, realizing the spiritual gifts at that age, but then closed it off kind of right. And then it reemerges at in Peru (laughs) because you followed a cute guy, (laughs) but let's go to like your family. Cause your mom was your, like, you know, you chose your mom. And so she's the, your guide post, your, your like light post of, you know, getting to you to get to this place. So your souls are connected. And she was your, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. I hear that. It's like, oh, I hope my girls say that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they will in, in the whatever unique way they will. I think that I have this spider. Okay, can I just tell you a quick random story? Yes, it's not please. even related. There's this little spider that's been like my visitor. And he's like always on the, the wall, you know, upside down. And anyways, I just spotted him. But yesterday I was sitting here, and um, looking at the corner and I saw him kind of walk, like scurrying over to the corner. And I was like, oh no, there's a daddy long legs over there. Cause I like kind of let 
the daddy long legs sort of live in my right. house. Oh, um, not if there's a lot, but you know, once in a while, I'm like, oh, there's one over there. Anyway, I was like, oh my God, we're about to have the Discovery Channel, like <laughs> nature is about to do its thing. And so I see the daddy long legs grab the spider and start oh. wrapping it. And I felt like the spider was like my, like my visitor in the house. So I was like, I have to save the spider. So I went up and like knocked the spider off the, Gosh, anyway, right so now. he's right here. He's just cruising, oh. saying hello. Oh, funny. Super side note. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think that I know that we do choose our parents for whatever reason. And um, for me, I chose a mom that was, you know, we would consider awake, right? She she knew a lot of things that a lot of people didn't know back in the 80s. And she was aware of like higher dimensional consciousness and the process of evolution and ascension. And she took me to a lot of seminars and and workshops and things at a really young age. And it just always made sense to me. It was just like another reality that I knew was real. It's just that back then it was not talked about in the same way as it is now. And even now it's not really talked about it. She really was the one that instilled in me what was in my beingness of of who I am and what I'm here to do. And she's always, even to this day, been my biggest cheerleader, you know? And so it's, you know, it's hard to say like, would I be here without her? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I probably not. I think children right now, they need parents that support that uniqueness that may be in them um, Mm -hmm. and um, stoke that fire. You know, um, I think it's a little bit easier now, but still very, very challenging for kids at this age because I don't know, there's a lot more pressure. It feels like right now to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. We didn't necessarily have that back in the eighties. Like what's the right thing? You just go out and you play for nine right. hours and you can't come home. And like, there is no exactly. such thing as like the right words to say the right ways to show up. You know what I mean? So I think it's a little, there's a, there's like a microscope on these children now and these adolescents. And so the critiquing of who they are and what they're here to do and be can be much more intense. Mm. Yeah. You're telling me I live yeah. that in that every day. And I, I watch my girls, you know, as intentionally as I parent, I mean, a bit, I mean, it's very intentional and, you know, I see there's such a contrast by the way they're raised. Not that I'm this amazing, you know, like not that they're better or worse, but it's like, it's, there's such a contrast when they get to school and it's a, it's a, I don't, where do I fit in? You know, I don't fit there, mom. And I'm like, ah, oh, I know I get it. You know, mm-hmm. you know how, you know, it's just a different energy. You know, yeah. you, you have different values and, you know, a lot of these kids are struggling to find that and, you know, be the one, be the lighthouse, be the one that they gravitate to. I don't know what, to, you know, it's just, but yeah, being a mom right now with um, teenagers, it's a definitely a different, you know, time. Yeah, I, can't I mean, imagine. definitely different than our childhood. Like, and I tell the girls, I'm so glad I had, I get to see both, but I'm so happy. I loved my, you know, it's like that you know, no social media, no phones. I'm like the way I tell my stories, like, really, you got to do that. And, you know, just, you know, another thing that you talk, I know we're 
this is how it's going to go. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, but you talk about like sex trafficking, right? you talk about that a lot. Why? Because my daughter just had a thing on her phone. We had to call the police and now they're investigating. It's awful. I want to do a whole podcast episode on that. Why do you, yeah, you, you should do a whole podcast. I don't, you know, it's, there's a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge about it. I don't have a lot of knowledge. I mean, I have an awareness, but it truly to me, sex trafficking is so layered and so deep and it's right in front of our eyes. So there's, there's levels to it, right? I mean, there's kidnappings of children all the time, just in regular neighborhoods, usually poor neighborhoods, neighborhoods where, you know, they are, um, you know, where it's not like white upper class neighborhoods, right? So that's one sort of layering of sex trafficking. Another layering of sex trafficking is, you know, taking young women and then they, they have them like impregnate them and then they have children. And so there's this like, children being born into the sex trafficking. Another layer of it is like people, um, they go and grab children and and, uh, young teenagers from other countries. And they, I mean, this, the United States is probably one of the biggest sex traffickers in the world. It's really bad. And it's, and it's the thing about it is they make it seem so normal. They're normalizing it. Like, you know, like you go to a party and there's like really young kids that are like 13, 14, 15 and um, with adults and somehow they're making it seem like that's okay. It's a really weird, messed up thing. But then you have like, you literally have children that are caged and kept and used by very famous, wealthy people. And that's when it starts to become really difficult to grasp. Like that type, it's one thing if you're like, oh yeah, they're they're taking kids off the street and they're putting right. them in hotel rooms and you know, people that are using drugs come over and pay. Like that's one level, but it goes so deep. I mean, they're caged up, they are kept, they are owned and they are used by very, very well-known, wealthy, very famous A-listed people on this, in this world. And um, it would really blow our minds and it would, it it would create, to me, the sex trafficking is going to be the hardest thing that we as a human collective will have to see. It will create massive psychosis because you can't wrap your head around. No. And especially when you're like, oh, that's a famous person, like a president or a, a senator or, um, you know, somebody super famous that you always see on TV. And you're like, but they're so nice and friendly. Wait a second. And you're like, and then there's this awareness um, of what actually happens kind of behind the scenes. And it's it's very similar, in my opinion, to when you have like a an uncle or a father that everybody loves and admires, but he has been sexually abusing you, right? And you're like, right. no, that my, and they're like, your uncle is amazing. He's so nice. He's so this. And you're like, yeah, but he's been sexually abusing me for five years. And like, so people, they would never be able to like comprehend that and wrap their head around that, you know? Right. So it's very similar. I always drop it just because it's like, there are these things happening, right. but I, I never go deep into it because it's 
it's just too much for me, you know? Oh, yeah, it's too much, but it, it got too close to comfort here at this family. So yeah, it kind of woke me up there, but I did, I, I probably, I listened to that caught my eye because you did bring it up a few times. Yeah. And they do it in such subtle ways where it almost makes you, it's like they're dropping it now in ways where it's almost becoming so normal. Like it's just, and they're infiltrating, like you said, the phones and social media. And um, it's just like, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's terrible. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Let's move to the, to the focus. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. My hour with you. Yeah. You, 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 you. <laughs> um, so you grow up, you have this amazing mom and you, what tell me you go have a regular job, you know, yeah, you're, you're I, I late forties now. So this happened just what, seven years ago where you kind of had this trip to Peru and went to Machu Picchu. Well, that was, so I had a really basic, normal life the whole time during my life. I'm 47 now. So the whole time I always knew that I was here to do something big, but I always stuffed it down. It was like not ready to do it. Cause I knew that when I, I just, there was just this knowingness, such a deep knowingness. So I knew that when I said yes to it, like when I committed to it, that my whole life would change. My whole life would be devoted to it. I knew that. So there was a part of me that was afraid, like, what does that mean? Am I going to lose my friends? Am I going to be a weirdo? Am I going to like be in cloths walking around? I didn't know what it meant, you know? So I stuck with like the very normal life for a while. I went to college. I went to graduate school. I, I was getting my PhD in psychology you know, I had a fiance, we were going to have children. I was living like a, like a very normal life. And there was always this bigger part of me that was guiding me. And it was like, nope, you're not doing that. Nope. This isn't going to work out. Nope. You're not having, I mean, I was, I had a couple ectopic pregnancies. It was like, you are not getting pregnant. We will literally almost kill you if you try to have another child. Right. So it was like, there were always things that were stopping me along the way that was me so that I could get here. And it wasn't until 2014 that I quit my corporate job and started traveling the world with a friend of mine. And then I went to Mount Shasta for for like a seminar for the weekend. And that's when I really, that's when I committed to, to do my work. And, um, I gave myself committed to doing. Yeah. I committed to doing whatever work I was here to do. I didn't even know what it was. I just knew that it was assisting in this evolution. I knew that it was assisting the planet in remembering what we're doing here. You know, I, because you were getting this, you were getting this voice in your head that was telling you that, or you just had the feeling, but how did ever since I was 13, I knew when I was 13 is when the kind of the knowingness came in of like, you're here to assist humanity in this evolution, in this shift in consciousness, in this ascension, in this, in whatever word you want to use. And I didn't really know what that meant. I just knew that I, I, I really felt within me, I had a big role, but it was like a global role mm-hmm. where it was like a collective was going to be experiencing this. So it wasn't a niche, you know, it wasn't right. like, you're going to be healing the body. It was like, no, you're going to be speaking to the entire human collective, reminding them of what this is that they're experiencing. So I always knew that at the foundation, that was what I was here to do. Hmm. I just never knew 
what it would look like. Like I didn't know that I could channel. I didn't know I could connect to higher dimensional beings. I didn't even know there were higher dimensional beings. I didn't know what that oh, meant. Oh, wow. You didn't know that. No, huh. no. Like I never, I was not like super woo-woo out there. I was very much like a conspiracy theorist type one, right? you know, like aware of everything. Well, I heard you talk about Disneyland and I was telling my husband, did you know <laughs> Lori told me about Disneyland? <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, she's, he's like, that's about a conspiracy theorist. Those people. (laughs) Yeah. So I've always lived in that kind of world, but I, but when I committed, I was just like, I'm going to just say yes to whatever you guys, you guys being like these, this energy outside of me, I've always felt, here's what I will say. I have always felt that there are eyes on me almost, right? Like Mm. there's something else with me supporting me. That's not me, even though essentially you could say, yeah, it's you, but it definitely has felt like since a young age, there's, there's other energies that are assisting me through this. And, um, in 2014 and 15, when I committed, I basically was talking to these beings, these consciousnesses, and I didn't even know, but I just knew I was speaking to something outside of myself. If you were religious, you would say you were speaking to God, right? Or to Jesus or to Allah or whatever, right? So I don't think it really matters, but there was definitely something outside of myself that I was working with. I was co-creating with. And so I basically was like, show me what to do and I will do it. I will say yes to everything. I will commit a hundred thousand percent. I will say, I will just, yes, I'm, I'm in a hundred thousand percent. And from that point forward, I just followed a deep intuitive gut instinct of this is what's next. This is what's next. This is what's next. So I quit my corporate job and I, I started a website. I didn't know what I was doing. And um, Hmm. I was just being shown by like friends, like, Hey, can you do can you do a reading for me or can you do this or can you do that? And that's kind of how I knew what I could do. It's really mm-hmm. strange. It was like, it kind of just landed in my lap by people asking if I could do like a reading or can I tap into their higher self? And so it was like these kind of interesting things that were being shown to me. I never really knew I was going to write a book. So it wasn't until 2018 when I followed the cute boy to Machu Picchu um, that the book came through. And that's really when I realized, oh, wow, like this is about waking up humanity. Like this isn't about spiritual woo woo, you know, whatever. This is literally about waking up the, the knowingness within your DNA, who you are and why you're here. And it doesn't take away from the pain and the human experience and the arguments and the trauma. It doesn't take away from any of that. It just adds to this experience. It's like um, another door in the house opens Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my God, I had no idea this room was here. And you're like, yeah, this is part of the house. Isn't it cool? Come on inside and remember this and remember this. So it's not like it's a separate house. Like you leave your house and you go to a completely new house, right? This deeper remembrance is just another room inside of you that you can go to, to remember the bigger picture. It's never an escape. It's never a bypass. It's never a, how do I get out of what I don't like? It's more of like, oh, I'm in my living room having a temper tantrum and I can see that room over there reminding me of what's actually happening at the same time. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. So that's that's really 
what, and then when COVID hit, then my actual like role got real clear. I bet. Real that's clear. the thing. Like thinking of it, like that's what I was thinking. It was two, 2018. We haven't even had the 2020 thing yet. You're getting this download of this book of the, the Galactic Federation of Lights speaking to you. And then you come into 2020. What was, was that like? Oh, it's even making more sense now. Well, I mean, yes. Once I started, so I, because I say yes to everything, um, when COVID hit, I was never somebody that talked about like the news or talked about like, you know, what's going on out there, politics, right. any of that. I never did that. I don't do that. <laughs> and when COVID hit right before it got like the six, you know, eight, March 16th, March 17th, somewhere around there, I got massive guidance that said, you need to talk, you need to start talking about COVID. And I was like, um, first of all, that's absurd. It's a thing that's in the air that some people are getting and then not getting and they're sick and they're fearful and closing high schools. I'm not getting, no, I'm not, don't, I'm not. And they're like, yes, you are. And when I sat down and kind of meditated on what came through around COVID, it was like, holy shit, this is going to change the whole world. So it was a daily showing up and it was like, oh my God, this is the evolution. This is the evolution. And I started realizing this is the evolution. Holy shit. This is it. This is what, this is what I was waiting for my whole life. This is the moment. Like, yeah, I'm going to show up every single day. And that's really when my fire got lit because I could see what I had known since I was 13. I could, wow. you can physically see it now while everybody else was losing their minds. I was like, right. oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Right. Totally. I was like, this is so great. You guys, like we've been waiting for this. And everyone's like, you've lost your mind. I'm like, no, no, no. I swear to you, you, you I promise you, you've been waiting for this. And oh, that's funny. really when it became so solidified. The you beginning know, of like the, this, this physical evolution. When you talk about the Galactic Federation of Light and how they're very serious and like teacher type beings. And how do you know they're the Galactic Federation of Light? I mean, listen, I don't, right? At the end of the day, I don't know. So somebody could say that's not them. And and I could be like, you could be right. So I think the humbleness of, I never really connected to the Galactic Federation of Light. I didn't even really know who they were until Machu Picchu when they came in. And they just gently, so the way I experience them is I'm like, like a megaphone that's really far away. That's outside of me. And it's, it's really hard to explain, but it's like, there's just this communication that's happening and it's just a knowingness. It's not in my mind. It's not in my head. It's coming from out. It's like, it's like I'm pulling in something, but not trying to pull it in. And so when they said the Galactic Federation of Light, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then the more I sat with them, I got more familiar with them. It's like I recognize the different types of groups that are in this big federation. And 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 I also recognize that I could be wrong. I am so okay with being absolutely 1000% wrong. I'm not, but all I know is what I know. And all I know is what feels right to me. And so that's all I can go on. Hmm. Um, and you know, I think one of the things that is so challenging for us in this world that's so physical is one, we always want proof, right? you know, and we always kind of want to disprove or well, prove it to me, prove it to me. And this world is actually energetic. It's not physical. So to truly prove energetically 
it's impossible, right? You can't, right. you can't do that. It's a, it's a knowingness. So I think to humbly be able to say, I'll never be able to physically prove right. that to you is the truest place to be. Um, yeah, and if that. anybody is in real defense of, oh no, this is absolutely who it is. And I will, you know, you, I always say, just question that a little bit because at the end of the day, none of us truly really know other than our own experience. And, um, you know, even my book it was a really hard book to write. It was really hard to allow that to be a truth, but I was, I got humbled so deeply writing it. And also just during 2020, I got really humbled by the amount of people that came after me for certain things that I said, that it allowed me to say, I know nothing, right? right? Like, I know nothing. Don't believe anything I wrote. I don't care. Like, right. so it's this real deep surrendering that happened to me that continues to happen that allows the truth of whatever resonates with you to resonate. And um, to me, the divine design and, and the galactic federation of light that came through the, for the divine design, I mean, they, they were essentially the ones that that showed me the movie and, but it's a remembrance. It's like a cellular remembrance. So even if you don't understand it, there's something that's being remembered within you throughout your day that just starts to unravel right. that you don't even realize. And I think one of the things you said in the beginning was like, there's this pull to me, right? It's because on a on a higher level, on an energetic level, there's like this uh, remembrance of like, hey, are you going down? Yeah, I'm going down. Are you going down? Yeah, I'm going down. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to do this, this, this. What are you going to do? I'm going to be a part of like doing this and this, this. Okay, I'll meet you down there, right? And so when we connect, there's this like, oh my God, no, there's this is part of my assistance. This is something that's going to remind me. There's a knowingness deeper. Totally. And I just there. get tears. I have tears. It's like this energy in me. Like I, I know when I watch your videos, I like I even like it's like, oh, she would be my friend. Like, I just have that feeling, you know, you just have that feeling with somebody and you are so real and I relate to you. I mean, it's just like, you're just, you are you, you know, and it, it's true. You are surrendering to, if you don't like it, don't watch me yeah. <laughs> or don't listen, <laughs> which is, I love, because if it yeah. doesn't resonate, don't, it doesn't matter. Like who cares? Yeah. I always have this bigger, like I have these multiple lenses that I use throughout my day. Even like right now, when we're talking, there's always these these multi lenses that come in and out. So like, there's the lens of like, oh, you and I are human. We're ha we're on a podcast. There's the lens of like, oh, you and I are spirits. Welcome. I remember you, you remember me, right? There's the lens of sort of the higher self, which is like um, the in integration of both of those where you're sort of like, wow, I'm here experiencing this right now, but there's also that bigger perspective. So the higher self sort of merges those those two awarenesses. And so I'm always, when you have that higher awareness of sort of the bigger picture of what's going on, even if you don't know what's going on, but you know that you're not necessarily just this human physically experiencing this, it can allow you to let go of needing to be right and needing to prove and needing to like stand up for your truths. I mean, there's one, there's a difference between like standing up for your truths and your rights and things like that. But I mean, like, you know, if you want to argue what happens after death, or if you want to argue if like there are higher dimensional beings, or if you want to argue these things, like to me, it's almost pointless because 
from this bigger perspective, we're all, we're just going to have our beliefs. We're going to have our, our truths, you know, we're going to, it's either going to resonate or not resonate. Totally. um, Yeah. Let's get into the book a little bit. And then I want to talk about things I've learned from you just outside of the book. The one word that I've taken from you lately is being the observer. But um, I want, let's start with the book. Let's get, so people we've been talking about it. I want to kind of get that in here because it's so important. And, you know, it's the earth experiment, right? It's the, how the DNA, the 12, the grid. I mean, watching you on the, on a YouTube, like draw the 12, like the 12 dimensional grid. And you're like into it and you're showing the, how it goes in. I'm like, that was the movie they showed you. Cause it was like, how does she know? Like, it's not like you went to school and learned about this grid, like, you know, but you're over there like a teacher, like drawing it with the pen. Like she really knows like that galactic teacher really knows how to teach you. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, um, yeah, I didn't know any of the information and I didn't watch people. I didn't watch inform. I didn't go and research, you know, a lot of people do a lot of research when they write a book. I didn't, I was specifically told do not check this information. Do not go and listen to other people. I was, it was very specific to just keep the information as pure as possible, but they showed it. It would be like if you were shown a movie scene, okay, like some sort of movie scene, I don't know, from the matrix, right? Like a five minute reel. And then you were like, then they were like, okay, now go and explain it. You know, you'd be able to, you'd be like, oh my God, they showed me this and this and this. So that's kind of how, but of course it's not physical. So then it's like, well, how did you see it? Like, I don't know. I don't know how I saw what they showed me. They just, it's a really strange way that the information came in because it was simultaneously sort of given to me like a movie scene and then a knowingness that dropped in of like, this is, this is what it means. But the crazy thing about like the 12th dimensional grid or like DNA or the things that came through is I actually had to sit and like, oh, there were many times where I had, especially with the fifth dimensional grid, that really confused me big time. I just didn't understand it. I still sort of don't like, why do we have it? How, why would you open it? Why would you close it? Like, there's still things that confused me. So I would have to sit and like, draw i would draw a lot like i i had to make sense of it it didn't make sense right away so it was like wait what does this mean like how does this work and how why would they say this and how can i make sense of what they just told me so i would really have to break it down and it would it would hurt my brain it would just be like i can't get it you know how like when you're trying to figure out a, a problem like a math problem or something you're like oh my god i or a science yes. problem you're like mm-hmm. i can't get it. That's what it was like a lot of the time when I wrote the book. It was like the beginning, the first like six chapters. It was like, I don't, because I didn't know the information it was, and it was complex. I was like, what in the, but as soon as it clicked, I was like, oh my God, I got it. This makes so much sense. You know, it just started to make sense. Right. (laughs) But, But when you talk about, I was trying to think of how to give this summary, the cliff notes version, but the, what I loved and how it started was, you know, we all decided to come here. We, this is the time that we all decided, like we made this choice and there were 
started in 1920s when there was a group of, we go there, I think, is that a good place to start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, essentially this was like, earth is a consciousness, just like you're a consciousness and I'm a consciousness and we're inside a physical body, right? So earth herself is a consciousness and she's inside the physical form, which we call the planet. And essentially she is having an experience. She's having an experiment. And it's hard for us to grasp that it could be as simple as, you know, really, truly just wanting to <laughs> shift frequencies inside a physical form, but it truly is that that simple, but it's complex in physical form. And so in the 1920s, that was when we had what's called the clarion call. And the clarion call, you can imagine a call as like a tone or a vibrational pulse that goes out to the, let's just call it the universe, right? It's in the 12th dimensional grid, but not to get too complex for people. We'll just call it the universe, okay? So this call goes out that earth needs assistance, that around this time, there was a lot of chaos and there was... um destruction there were there was building of like these atomic bombs things were going to be destroying the earth literally physically and so they needed they being sort of the energies that were watching over this whole experiment needed assistance from consciousnesses souls spirits to enter into physical forms that's the only way that you can make the biggest impact and to assist the planet and the human collective into higher vibrations, higher frequencies, the easiest way to describe it, right? The question, the first question people are going to say, well, why? Again, it's quite simply a very boring answer. Earth literally wanted to experience herself moving from one dimensional field or frequency to another. Um, It's literally that simple. It's just Mm -hmm. that when you put it into a really dense field of consciousness, the third dimension where there's physicality, duality, and polarity, it can get really messy. So earth was starting to sort of get pulled down into lower frequencies by humans on the planet. So it was like, hey, we need soldiers. We need soldiers to come down. We need help on the actual battlefield. And so that clearing call was really, really important. Dolores Cannon talks about the three waves of volunteers. The three waves of volunteers came during the clearing call. And so it's interesting because during the clarion call, let's just call it around the 1920s, you may not have come in until what, 19, whatever, 60s, 60s. 1970s, right? And I didn't come in until 1975, but we heard the clarion call in the 20s and then we chose when we were going to come in, Okay, right? So the three waves of volunteers are just that, that she talks about. And I talk about it in my book a little bit, slightly different, but it's very similar to what she has said. We chose as consciousnesses, souls, or spirits, when we were going to enter into the physical body, you know, I'm going to go in in 1942. I'm going to go in 1927. I'm going to go into 1995. Your daughter's probably answered the call, you know, that if they're, if they're connected to you. So answering the call doesn't necessarily mean that you're somebody like myself. Okay. It means that you, you consciously chose to incarnate in a physical form in order to assist a global shift in consciousness. And however you decide to do that 
is how you uniquely decide to do that. There can be the mailman, the trash guy that comes and grabs our trash every week. He could be making an impact just based on who he is as a spirit in a body. So we have this idea that we have to be doing specific work. And unfortunately, that's one of the biggest disservices that we believe because it's simply being on the planet at this time. It's simply clearing out your own trauma, opening your heart, being more compassionate, having more empathy, being the observer, like being able to hear all these other perspectives and somehow find a unified field in all of it. Like these are the simple ways that we're shifting the frequency on the planet. But we think like if you've been kind of awake for a little while, you're like, well, I've got to be doing something specific and I got to make sure that I'm making a difference. And it's like, dude, you just being in the physical body is miraculous enough. Like you are doing so much work, but we don't see it. Right. So we have a really hard time believing that we are making an impact. And I think the more that you sort of wake up into what this is and what we're doing here, the more you want to make an impact. And plus you've probably, many of us have probably had lifetimes previous to coming in during the clarion call where we made impact. You mean in the clarion call, we've come before and left and came back? Yeah, I think a lot of us. So it's really interesting about reincarnation, you know, in um, coming in to the human experience multiple times is it could, you could go thousands of years and not come back in. You could have been here 10 million years ago during the Lemurian and Atlantis times and never come back until the clarion call. You were like, peace out. I will, I am not doing that third dimension. Like, heck no. Right. So there is always, from my experience and my understanding, a choice in each incarnation and each reincarnation. And you get to decide if and when you want to come back down. So I think there were a lot of inner consciousnesses, soul spirits that that answered the clarion call because, because we knew that this was the time. Hmm. We knew that this was finally going to be the time on the planet where we actually started to see the physical evolution, which means that we start to physically see humanity change, shift. Will you explain that so people understand what that looks like? Because people are like, oh, are we going to another earth? Are we going to become this different kind of, you know, it's like all the, it's like, no. Oh, the physical evolution, the physical. Yeah. Yes. No, it's just, it's as simple as changing schools for your children, right? It's as simple as your friendships changing. It's as simple as you no longer resonating with the activities you used to do. It's as simple as just these subtle changes that you start seeing in your own life. Right. Okay. That eventually create larger changes on the entire planet. You know, five years from now, maybe you'll be growing your own food somewhere. Who knows? But it's like these very subtle changes. It's not this massive, like, oh, we're in the new world. Like that is such bullshit. It's like insane to me. Or I can't wait till we get there. It's like, there's nowhere to go. This is it. Right, right here, right now. And it's these like, it's like your hair growing, right? Yeah. So the way you want to think about what's happening right now on the planet, it's not a spiritual woo-woo thing. It's literally just energy changing into new frequencies. And so what does that mean for you personally in your life? 
Well, just pay attention to what no longer feels right to you. Pay attention to how maybe you're starting to hold firmer boundaries around people. Pay attention to how maybe you can't be around certain people anymore, or you don't want to bring your kids to that school anymore, or you're no longer wanting to go to the doctor you used to go to. That is the physical shift. That's the evolution, right? It's not this like, I'm going to be in meditation all the time now. And like, I'm going to be, it's not that. It's literally the everyday subtle shifts that you're starting to see in your life that over time start to change this entire planet. Now, some people have bigger roles than other people. But but they chose that. that. That yeah, they there. chose it. They chose right. it before coming in. You have this signature that you come in with, right? And many millions of warriors, uh, soldiers, light workers, whatever you want to call them, millions came in to just simply, I don't want to use hold the light because that's not really the best way to describe it, but many came, millions and millions came in to remember what they're doing here. And that simply learning how to be more compassionate and empathic and honest and truthful and humble and real and present, simply doing those things, which is really beginning to live in higher states of consciousness, is what's shifting the entire planet. And that is why they are on the planet. That is why they answered that call. But there's millions that came in as sort of voices, right? Oh my God, we're going to, we're, I'm going to, and this happened in 2020. A lot of people woke up into their voice, like, oh my God, I'm here to share this knowledge or whatever it may be. There's so many different roles that we need and they're all extremely, extremely important. But I think what's important to understand is that many of us that came in during the clearing call, we've been on the planet before assisting the planet for this moment. So we've done a lot of quote unquote work, right? Past life. So when we're here now, we're like, oh no, I'm supposed to be doing your soul remembers. So your soul wants to like get going. Let's go. Let's do this. You know? Yeah, totally. When 2020 is when I started this podcast, but it was before the pandemic. It was like when I was like entertaining the idea or when I got the inspiration and like, right when I was like, I guess I'm doing it. I don't know how I don't have time. The girls got locked down, you know, locked out of school. And I was like, huh, but what you just said to me resonated like, oh, that was my call. Right. Yeah. I needed to get, you know, like now we're in the, you know, going three years now into it. And I look at who I'm interviewing and who I'm resonating with and who's calling me. Yeah. Oh, I just, that's what I think I get so much, you know, goosebumps support. (laughs) You know, I get so passionate about it because I see the, I'm so, I can't, I want to share this information. Yeah. The thing about what you did is you followed a hit or a knowingness, most likely without necessarily having all the answers behind it, right? Yeah, nothing. Yeah. A lot of times (laughs) when we get the hit or the, there's a deeper knowingness, it takes a lot of courage. People think that it's easy. Like, oh, you're so lucky. You knew that you were going to do a podcast. It's like, no, 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 no. There's nothing lucky about knowing you have to actually do it. Right. Right. Like you have to actually have the courage to one, listen to it, the the voice, and then two, actually take the steps to, to manifest that into the physical reality. So, and a lot of people will say right now, they're going to say when they're listening to this, well, I don't even have a voice telling me anything. 
And that is the voice telling you something. If nothing's happening, then that is what is being asked of you to be in, right? Instead of trying to find the voice, the voice is always there. It's a matter of trusting that whatever is, which means if there's nothing, then that is what is. Right. And can you surrender into the fact that there is no voice necessarily telling you it's a podcast or it's a book? Because suffering is when you are in denial of what simply just is, right? Right. When you are in denial of what is simply just showing up in your present moment, you're like, nope, it has to be like this or like this or like this, or it's like, "Mm, does it? Right. Like the manifesting, right? Like I loved how, I love how you describe that because people have this, like, you know, I've really shifted my head listening to you and where I'm at in my life is manifesting. We have this vision or the vision boards, right? But instead of just, and and then it shows you the trauma, explain the way you look at that. Cause that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really careful about manifesting because I see things in layers, right? So on one layer or one, like, imagine that you're standing on a floor in a building. Okay. So on one floor in a building, let's call it the third floor, third dimension, you can manifest all you want. So you're going to manifest a relationship. You're going to manifest cars. You're going to manifest money. You're going to manifest your perfect job. Like manifestation isn't impossible. It happens all the time. People do it all the time. It works because it's manipulating energy, but you're doing it from a third floor. So you're doing it interwoven with your trauma. And when you do that, what that means is you are constantly going to be chasing the manifestations. You will not be at peace until your manifestations are complete. It's like manifestation is what creates the peace. It's what creates the contentment and the third dimensional floor on level three. Your happiness is going to be based on the manifestations that you do, right? And this is either conscious or unconscious, but it's it's real. And what people will convince themselves of is, oh, no, no, I'm content without it, but I just want it. And I would say, hmm. I would argue that then don't manifest it. Just be with what is right now in your life. Stop manifesting so much, right? Right. I think it can be a trap because you're basically manifesting from trauma and trauma is basically trying to pull you out of the present moment. And present moment is where you're going to feel everything that you don't want to feel. And so you're going to be chasing these like manifestations and like vision boards in order. And because really what that does is it gets you out of present moment. So when you move to like the next floor, you start actually not manifesting as much and you start realizing that everything that you want, it's such a cliche statement, but true abundance, true happiness, all these, these true contentment is actually just inside. It's in this inner world. Right. And there's a freedom that happens when you stop trying to manifest things and you start to just surrender into presence feeling everything that you don't like and that you don't want to be in. And the more that you do that, you realize that you're not it. And then the more you realize that you're not it, you realize that you don't have to run anywhere, chase anything. And then when you start feeling that presence, that calm, that contentment, just based on being here now, not needing anything, then you realize that when you intend something or manifest something, it's almost like, why am I doing this? Like, right. Totally. It's almost a, like you're playing a game. You're like, mm-hmm. Oh, 
this is kind of funny because you don't really need it, but you understand that you're playing the human. So it'd be fun to have it. Right. right. So manifestation becomes like a game where it's like, I don't need it, but it sure would be fun to have it. And if I'm on the planet, why not have these things? But it's not from trauma. So the, again, the trauma manifestation on the third floor is more of unconsciously or consciously pulling you out of presence, like fulfilling something outside of yourself so that you can feel fulfilled inside of yourself. And it's a trap, right? It's trauma that's pulling you out so that you can't remember that it's all right here. Right. Um, so it's just awareness of that. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with manifesting. I just think that on this third floor, we're trapped. Right. You know, another thing that I love that made me shift my thinking after learning from you is, you know, everyone's always this high vibe, you know, get in high vibe. And, <laughs> you know, if you have anxiety, you got to shift it and think of something positive. And, but you are like so adamant about, and I get it. I mean, I, it was like a light bulb moment because I was that I'm like, okay, if girls, if you're not happy, you got to figure out how to get happy. We talk about that because I think uh, so many people we're, we're in this, I don't know, brainwashed, but new, like you got to be in the high vibration. Well, yeah, the new 5d is a higher frequency, right? But if you're not feeling so go there. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's it's one of my pet peeves that I've had for a really long time. Like before I became a teacher, I just had this pet peeve of like, shut up about the high vibe pot. I, I, I couldn't, it was in me that was just like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't resonate. This doesn't feel right. Because here's the thing. Is there higher frequencies and lower frequencies. On one level, yes. Does a higher frequency feel better than a lower frequency? For instance, a lower frequency would be sadness. Okay. It's, it's frequency is lower than happiness. Okay. That's absolutely true. Would I rather have ha- feel happiness than sadness? Of course, who wouldn't? But if you remember that you are going through an evolutionary process, your body is literally shifting frequencies and all you need to do is show up in the present moment, meaning just like right here, right now, if something comes up to be felt, if you're having a bad day, have it, feel it because it's not you. And if you know that you're not what you're experiencing, why do you need to change it if it's simply going to move through you anyways? You know, I read something the other day where there was like a physicist that said that an actual energy or emotion only lasts for like 18 seconds or something, right? Or I can't remember what he said, but it's the attachment to it, which is what I've always said. I'm like, when you attach to it and make it wrong or bad, or I have to change it, then you anchor it in. Right. If you simply just allow yourself to feel whatever it is, whatever that is, shifts pretty damn fast. If you start actually practicing it, that's how I experience it. Like if I'm feeling anger, I'm feeling anger until anger is no longer there. If I'm feeling sadness, I feel sadness until sadness is no longer there. If I'm, I don't believe that I am it. So it never attaches and sticks in my life. I think that there is, it's a really big disservice to try to shift out of something. But here's the thing that I do want to be really sensitive about. The reason that people, there are these really powerful teachings around shifting your thoughts and shifting your emotions is because 
people believe that they are. They give their power to those thoughts. They give their power to their emotions. And if you're giving power to your thoughts and emotions, then by all means, you might as well change them. Right. Right. Because you're believing them. You're giving the power to them. So you might as well also take take control and change them. But if you don't give them power, if they just simply are, my thoughts, that's where the observer is, right? My, My thoughts just are my thoughts. Wow, look how powerful they are. This emotion that's coming, moving through me is really intense. It's really convincing me of something, but I know that I'm not it. And my role is not to change it. The most empowered state that I think a human can be in is the, is the human that doesn't change anything. Mm -hmm. That just simply is a badass and feels it. Think about that. Like if you like, think of the badass that walks out the door and is like, I don't care. What am I going to feel today? As opposed to the person that walks out the door is like, I'm only having high vibes. That means you're afraid (laughs) of things. Right. You're like, are you afraid of sadness? Are you afraid of a bad day? Are you afraid of getting in an argument with someone? Like, what are you afraid of that you constantly have? There has to be a fear. Right. Otherwise, you wouldn't be changing it. Exactly. You know? I love that. That's so good. So good. Yeah. yeah. I it's love the, it. It's the badass that walks out and is like, bring it. Let's yeah, go. bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Whatever you're going to do, show me. Show me. And then yeah. when you start just feeling things, you know, it's a subtle difference that people have a hard time trying to understand because they've been so deeply programmed to believe that they are what they're feeling. And they believe that whatever they're feeling is going to stay. So they better change it. And it's like, if there's one thing you can remember is that anything that you feel is energy. Anything that you feel is an energy. And if it's an energy, it is absolutely moving through you. First of all, if you're feeling it, it's inside of you. Right. And if it's a feeling or a thought, it's mo- it's energy. So it's moving, right? Thoughts move. You feel them move all the time. So if you remember that, then simply your only job is to feel. Let it pass and then move on to what's next. You practice that. It's almost like you're, you you put it next to you and you're like, okay, here comes sadness and I'm going to keep doing my thing mm-hmm. until sadness is gone. And you may have a day where there's like 16 different energies, sadness, anger, happiness, joy, frustration, irritability, and they're, they're all just kind of hanging out. So what? Right. So the, when you went to Florida to see your friend Rodney and yeah. you broke your tooth and you had the eye but it manifested on the out on your physical body. That was a great lesson. I think it was like, you really looked at that as like, why is this? Why am I creating a broken tooth and a black eye? There's something to this. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Because so I, um, I truly, truly believe, and this is a hard one for people to hold, but it is my deepest truth. One of my deepest truths. And I live this way is that every single thing that is happening in my life is happening for me. Everything. There's nothing that is an accident, a coincidence, or a mess up. And so when I chipped my tooth for no apparent reason, I didn't bite into anything. I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I knew what it was. And I knew what it was showing me because I had an eating disorder for many years. And the behavior went away, but the thoughts are still there. 
And so for the last couple of years, I have been battling these thoughts of mm-hmm. like, are, what does your body look like? Are you exercising enough? So there was always these thoughts that were still there. And I, I knew it wasn't the way I wanted to live. And so I knew the moment I chipped my tooth, I knew that it was correlated to the beating myself up that I'm still doing in my head based on my body. And so I was like, you mother freakers. And <laughs> then I go home and three days later or two days later, I can't remember, I wake up in the morning and nothing happened except that I had a broken blood vessel and a big, literally like somebody punched me in the eye. Never happened before in my life. And I knew I got the clearest message and that was it for me. I got the clearest message that it was like, if you don't stop now, which is like, if you don't, and when they said stop to me, it was finally choose because it's all choice as hard as that is to accept. Right. I have to just choose to no longer be in those thoughts. I have to. And sometimes it requires physical destruction, somebody getting sick, somebody almost dying, being in the hospital, something drastic has to happen for a lot of us to finally say, I am no longer going to be in those thoughts. And it happens overnight. So I knew they said to me, if you keep in those thoughts, you're literally going to hurt yourself. Something's going to happen. You're going to end up in the hospital. I don't know what would have happened to me, but something would have happened. So I said, I'm done. I'm done. I can't explain what happened, but I closed the door on those thoughts. Basically, they're not allowed in. They're not, I'm not entertaining them. They're not available. They're not, they're goodbye. And ever since then, it's like I, um, I have finally stepped into the version of me that I have sort of been intending for years. Like I've, I've held this version of the me that I am right now. Mm-hmm. For for probably three to four years, like I saw this, I saw this Lori. I felt yeah. this Lori. I knew this Lori, and I never gave up on this Lori. That I would finally meet this Lori, and it. Thank God, it only took a chipped tooth and a broke, you know, a, <laughs> you know, a busted thing. But it is your your thoughts. These, you know, from the eating, like a. Body image thing. Body image. What are you eating today? Don't eat too much. Did you exercise? What does your body look like? I mean, it was obsessive. Right. And you turned them off and you turned those off. Done. Like done. Because I I knew that if I, it, it was such a loud sign that was like, if you continue, you will find yourself in the hospital. I mean, I, I, it was as clear as day. And I was like, Absolutely not. If I can't do my work, I will give up all thoughts that I've that I've used to control whatever I've been doing. Right? I will give it all up if it means I I'll, I won't be able to be of service. So it's almost like they showed me a future that is possible, mm-hmm. like being in the hospital, getting hurt. I don't even know what would have happened, but I was like, no, I'm not entertaining that. And it, I swear to God, it's like a like a I don't know what happened. But that's, I truly believe that when we're done, we're done. And sometimes we don't know when we're done until we're actually done. That's why I never try to change. So these thoughts were have been with me for so long and I'm aware of them, mm-hmm. conscious of them. 
I tried to, you know, kick them out the door. I did a lot of my own energy work on the floor. I had my guides come in and like, take it from me. And they're like, you realize that we can't take it from you. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, it's thoughts. You're in charge of your thoughts. So like no body work, no energy work, none of this shamanic healing stuff can work if your thoughts are still there. Nobody can take away your thoughts, but you, no one. No one, not even, not even a hypnotherapist. Nobody can take away your thoughts. No healing modality can take away your thoughts. So it, it's a choice. And I think one of the things that I was adamant about was having compassion for myself while I still had those thoughts. I just always loved myself as much as I could through those thoughts. And I knew I held that version of me, which I'm in right now. I held that version every day. I never gave up. And then, and I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't know it was going to be like, Hey, you're going to chip your tooth. And then you're going to have a black eye right before your event in person. Don't worry. It's just going to be fine. And it was just so ironic that it was right before my in-person event, but I didn't know that's how it was going to go. I didn't know. And that's why the power of us not playing a victim, there are no victims. If you believe that you're a victim, you are missing out on your greatest gifts. Yes. If I was like, this sucks. I can't believe this is happening. Why would this happen right before my in-person? I look like I got beat up. Like if that's where I went, I wouldn't be where I am right now with with this, you know? So it's like, we have to step out of that poor me victim and we have to look at the deeper gift that we're giving ourselves as hard as that is, because we don't always want to see those deeper thoughts that are controlling us. We want to turn Netflix on or do whatever. But if you have the intention of you, that version of you, don't let that version go. You know, I never let that version go and trust that whatever that version is of you, whatever it is, whatever he or she looks like and sounds like and feels like, if you're tapping into it, then it's an absolute, it already exists. Right. Right. And so then you have to trust that everything happening from this moment until you tap into that version is going to get you there. And that's where we have a hard time. Well, I don't want this. Well, I don't like this. Well, why is this happening? Well, why is that happening? It's like, did you not just intend to step into this version of you? Right. (laughs) Like, so we sabotage. That's why when you kind of manifest or intend from a higher um, floor, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily going to look the way the third floor manifestation looks. Right. It's going to look very different and it's much more kind of, yeah, it's much more complex than just a vision board. It can look like a chipped tooth and a black eye and anything else. I mean, thank God it's not worse, but yeah, I you know, we've that. heard those stories of near-death experiences of people and their whole life changes overnight. Right. It's yeah. similar to that. I just, I really do believe that everything happens for us, by us. Yeah, I love, yes, a hundred percent. Everything is perfect and it's all it's for me. Though. And yeah, and you know, like yeah, being a mom and doing that with my girls and, you know, they get a, what, a bad grade on a test. I'm like, it's perfect. They're like, what? <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, it's, there's no accidents, honey. That's it. That what's, you know, or whatever it is. I mean, but to, I think when you live that way and you can live through life and 
being like, I take drive them to, I'll be picking them up from school and they, we drive quite a ways there on the crew team. And so I drive down to mission beach. It's like a 40 minute drive in traffic, but really bad. I don't look at it like that. I don't even notice the traffic because mm. I'm in the moment. I'm like, everything is perfect. If we're not supposed to get there at that time. I mean, it, that's a funny example, but as a mom, I really in, instill in that is everything is perfect. Everything is for your highest good. Everything that even if at the moment you think it's the worst thing in the world, you know, change your mind to realize, I wonder what, I wonder why that's going to be so fun to see why that happened. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's going to be so cool when we yeah. find out the, yeah. You know, why did that happen? I love it. Yeah. The curiosity that is a really powerful example because it's a very, it's a very difficult thing to do. I think it's those mundane, it's the yes. daily mundane things where it becomes most difficult because we think it's no big deal. It's like, oh, I'm in traffic. I'm I'm going to get frustrated. I need to get my kids to this place at a certain time. And it's like, no, that is the practice. The practice is in that moment. What does it matter? Like it is what it is. It just, this is what it is. This is what it is. This is what it is. And when you surrender to that and you practice that surrendering into what is, oh, I am now in traffic. I'm going to be late. Okay. It just, it is what it is. Right. Then there's like, okay, what can I do? I can be with my daughters. I can have a conversation, you know, whatever that is, or I can feel anxiety. I can feel the stress, whatever it is, but there's, there's nothing you can do about it. So you surrender into that flow state, which is simply being with what is, and it's not easy, but it's not always easy. And there's a lot of difficulty and challenges that we face every day. But even in those, the the master learns how to let it be. Right. Yeah. I love it. Oh, Lori, we could talk all day. I know. It's one, 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 (laughs) one 11. Anything else you want to share before we end, or we can, you can get your book on, on Amazon, the divine design and would, yeah, it's going to come out on audio in a couple, hopefully by oh, the good. end of this month, which will be so nice to be able to, and I'm, I'm and really you did it. reading. Uh, yeah. So it'll be really nice to be able to just listen, I think. Yes. But, um, I think that the more that we can start to simply try to observe ourselves. So I am thinking this, Lori is feeling this, Lori is now going to the bathroom, Lori is now going to bed, Lori now doesn't want to do this. Like if you, the more that you can start practicing in very small ways, the observer, the faster you'll see shifts in your life. I love that. That word observer. Yeah. Lori lad in my vocabulary. (laughs) Yeah. I've really used that a lot. I said, you need to be the observer, be the observer. It's so huge and it's easy. It is huge. Yeah. And once you start practicing it, it's not, you start being able to do it more easily without thinking about it. But in the beginning, you kind of have to be like, wait, am I observing? Like, what is the observer? How do I observe? Like, what does that mean? Be the observer? Because we're so in our experiences. Right. So it's truly simply is, okay, I am now feeling this. Okay. I'm now thinking this. Okay. I'm now going to go do this. Okay. I'm now in the grocery store. Okay. Now I'm getting upset with this person. So it's like having to like almost say it out loud, what you're experiencing. And then, and that allows you to pop into that observer mode. Right. Yeah. It shifts the, everything. Totally. The, the grocery store with the flip-flops, the guy, when you love the guys with flip-flops. 
That's what that just showed. See, I really know. I We are best friends. <laughs> we are such best friends. Oh my gosh. I was you know, cracking I, up because I was I, Well, in San you. Diego, they're all about wearing flip-flops. Like, like, right. They wear flip-flops with their suits on, you know, you're like. Yeah, you'd be all crazy on the at the grocery store with I those know. guys. Oh. <laughs> you'd have to really get eye contact. <laughs> oh my God. San Diego is like. You know, Orange County and San Diego, it's all about flip-flops. Yep. Put them in. Uh, well, thank you. Loved it. Love you. Thank you so much. I will be on your journey still and I can't stop and I love it. And I will read your book over and over until I really get it in my head. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.